0: I have a sermon uh, in a series called Culture of Hope, and the title Mark gave for today was Total Confidence. A Grief Observed is the book written by that great Christian writer, C.S. Lewis, in the months after his wife's death from cancer. In it, he wrote, you never know how much you really believe until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you're merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? He was exploring how strong his faith was in the sadness and grief and doubt that followed the death of his wife of only a few years. Here's another similar situation. You have a life-threatening heart condition, and you're in hospital waiting for an operation. Without the operation, you will very likely die in the near future. But the operation itself has no guarantee of success. Indeed, there is a risk that the operation itself will kill you. Into your hospital room walks a man holding some consent papers for you to sign. He's a surgeon. He sits on your hospital bed. He asks how you're feeling, and that gets down to talk you through the consent procedures. After a while, he asks you to sign. You're about to sign. When you pluck up the courage to ask him, how many times have you done this particular operation? There's a pause. The surgeon tells you that he's never done it. You gulp and what color you have drains from your face. You ask how many similar operations he has done. None, he says. You feel like reaching for the panic button. You ask him with a shake in your voice, so what sort of surgeon are you? Well, he says, I'm a very successful and highly sought after tree surgeon, (laughs) and I'm on a career switch. The hospital trust is keen to reduce its waiting times, so it's hired me. On hearing that, you go into cardiac arrest. (laughs) When you recover, as you thankfully do, you ask to be referred to a different hospital. Not surprisingly, you are not willing to trust your life or put your confidence in a tree surgeon. The uh, Christian writer Rick Warren said, Trust requires a track record which is not a bad metaphor for the way we go about things, is it? And your tree surgeon has no track record of successful heart surgery. Thank God the situation I've just described is almost entirely fictional, at least in this country. We're blessed with a wonderful health service, uh, which responds fantastically well, especially in crisis and emergency situations. And our church has a good number of dedicated health personnel amongst them. I can see at least one here this morning. Now, it's also true that most days we're not facing life-threatening, life-changing situations or decisions. Life, doesn't it, rolls on with its routines, its labors, its joys, its frustrations, its irritation, its disappointment, its minutiae. So for the most part, I don't suppose we go around spending our days asking the profound questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Is the material world around me all there is? Is there anything I can rely on in the perplexing myriad of belief systems that I see? There are those who would say those are silly questions. They're meaningless questions. They can't be answered or just, well, whatever works for you is fine. But at moments of crisis, whether you're a Christian or not, and a hospital bed may be well be one of those, those are often the questions that come to the surface. They're probably there all the time, but we keep them under lock and key, and they only come out as I say, at times of crisis. They are, to use a fancy phrase, existential questions. And today, I've turned the title really into a question. And the question is, what can we be totally confident about? Indeed, is there anything we can be confident about? There are plenty of potential answers to the questions, I asked the question last night with friends around supper and the first answer I got was I'm totally confident that my husband loves me which is great so we can be and answer the question what are we confident about might be our husband, our wife, our parents our close friends our political leaders Brexit capitalism, socialism our feelings nationalism astrology, Islam self-expression The church, the advances of science. We might put our trust in those, and you could add to the list. And yet I think we all know that every one of those is capable of breaking down, and certainly the church is included in that, and of betraying the trust that people have put in them. They're like these ladders and the people on them. uh, They're not in a very safe uh, position, are they? On those ladders, Uh, they they have put their trust in rather foolish things. In the book of Job, one of the speakers says this of people whose trust is not in God what they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is like a spider's web. They lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. Whereas Jeremiah said, as we heard in the reading, happy and secure is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence in him. He's like a well-planted tree. So what is it about this Lord that can justify the placing of trust and confidence in him? And that's what the rest of this talk is about. But just before that, let me say that trust and confidence are not the same as certainty. Trust and confidence are not the same as certainty. Does anyone commit themselves into the hands of a surgeon, an anesthetist, with absolute certainty of the outcome of the operation? I doubt it. But many a person would have done so with utmost confidence in those people. In fact, I think I would say, but not at all my degree, that where there is absolute certainty, there actually isn't any need or room for faith or confidence and trust. But maybe that's for another day, or maybe you'd like to chat about that over lunch. I'm also aware that there may be some here thinking, I'm much more like doubting Thomas than trusting Jeremiah. Right now, I just don't have that much confidence in my faith or God. There's too much happening. I have too many questions, too many doubts. Well, I get that. And more importantly, God gets it too. And if that is you, be encouraged. You're you're in a large and good company. Most Christians, even the strongest of the saints, are not always full of faith and confidence. And if the second part of this talk leaves you feeling, that's not where I am, Let me say this, if you cannot be full of faith, you can at least be faithful. And Jesus says to Thomas, the one who is faithful when he does not always have the proof in front of his eyes is blessed and is to be commended. Being faithful when you are not full of faith, when the going is hard, is itself a sign of faith. So I'm going to give you some pointers to why we can justify our confidence. The first thing we can be confident about is the person of God. And when I say the person of God, I'm referring to the character of God, which is probably a better word, but character begins with C and all my other points begin with P. So it's the person of God. See if you can get to the other four before I do. When we speak of God and his character or his characteristics, we also have to recognize that words, whatever words we use, and pictures are totally inadequate. We're trying to express the inexpressible. Having said that, words and languages are the rough tools we have, and God has revealed himself in language. We're not like those Greeks in Athens who worshipped an unknown God. Right back in the second book of the Bible, very early on, there's a famous incident of the giving of the Ten Commandments when God declares his name, declares his character. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving sinners and sin. We often think of the God of the Old Testament as a bit different from the God of the New Testament, but here we have very early on God saying of himself that at the heart of his heart there is compassion and grace and slowness to anger and abundance of love and everlasting faithfulness, a willingness to forgive and restore and we can add more if we choose, such as his unchangeableness, his wisdom, his patience, his long-suffering. You, you can add more yourself. The person and character of the God to whom we have committed ourselves and pledged our allegiance is not an unknown character, not an inconsistent character, not a God of whims and petty foibles. We can bet our lives on his character. The character most clearly seen in the person of God the Son, who as Hebrews 1 tells us, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want to find out a little bit more about the character of Jesus, let me encourage you to look at something I've left at the back of church. Um, It's the transcript of a six-minute extract from a wonderful and famous sermon preached by an outstanding American pastor and uh, preacher who goes by the splendid name of the Reverend Shadrach Meshach Lockeridge. It's called, That's My King. And um, uh, do read it, but you really need to listen to it on YouTube to get the full effect. It's a fantastic uh, statement of the character of Christ. Secondly, we can have confidence in the promises of God. As you know, Scripture is full from cover to cover of the promises of God revealed to men and women. It would take several hours to read every one of them. I'm just going to give you a few, and that's, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you and when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you. If we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. If the sun sets you free you will be free indeed. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. The Lord is good a refuge in time of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And lastly, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And so on and so on, hundreds of them. And Paul kind of sums them up in his letter to the Corinthians when he says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God we have preached to you, is no doubtful quantity. He is the divine yes. Every promise of God finds its yes in him. Thirdly, we have the power of God. We can have confidence in the power of God. And there are two absolutely fundamental demonstrations of the power of God. One is in creation, and the other is in the resurrection of Christ. They are the two fundamental events in what we call time and history, and they both demonstrate the power of God. At the beginning of our time, our history, God the Trinity created the heavens and the earth Without him, nothing was made that was made. All things come from him. And then there is that other turning point, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without it, and I go back to this time and again, our faith is in vain and our confidence in God is totally misplaced. The old commentator Matthew Henry wrote, The doctrine of Christ's death and resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. Remove this, and all our hopes for eternity sink at once. And it is by holding this truth firm that Christians stand in the day of trial and are kept faithful to God. Again and again, it rings out in the New Testament, the phrase, raised from the dead or raised to life. Very often, the complete phrase is, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And there are more than 130 references in the New Testament to the power of God at work. And you know what? St. Paul says that that same power which raised Jesus from the dead is also extraordinarily, sometimes unbelievably, at work in us. God's transforming power. Didn't manage to hold up my notes then. Uh, is at work in us also as we commit ourselves to him. Paul prays in Ephesians that we may know his incomparably great power for us, to us, that same power which is the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So we can have confidence in the power of God. And we can have confidence in the presence of God. In effect, God is always saying to us what Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Where you go, I'll go too. The promise that Moses gave to Joshua is a promise that holds true for me. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, you don't have to be afraid or discouraged. True, there will be many days when we are not conscious of the presence of God. Indeed, when we feel that God is distant and has gone to a far country, it's a feeling experienced by all Christians, but it is a feeling, it is not a truth. The presence of God has no more left us and vanished out of existence than the sun has left us today on this cloudy, rainy day. The presence of God is as present as the ever-present life-giving oxygen we breathe every day but do not see. So we can have confidence in the enduring, constant, faithful presence of God. And lastly, you'll be glad to hear, we can have confidence in the purposes of God. The purposes of God for good in creation. The purposes of God for good in mankind. And the purposes of God for good for us as individuals. I began with a sort of medical story. Here's another one to end with. The family were gathered around the bed of an old lady who was in the last days of her life. As they sat in silence or whispered to themselves, someone said, she's sinking fast. At which the old lady opened one eye and said, oh, no, I'm not sinking. You cannot sink through rock. Her confidence was built on solid foundations. It was built on the solid rock of Christ. This morning, whatever our feelings, we have good reason to put our confidence in God, who loves us with an everlasting love, in his character, in his power, in his promises, in his presence, and in his purposes for us. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I pray this morning that we may all grow in our confidence and trust in you. We know that none of us have reached that full height of confidence. I pray this morning for those who are discouraged. Pray for those whose questions beset them. Pray for those who feel your distant, that they may be encouraged by... The scriptures we've heard, and that confidence in you may grow. For your sake, we ask it. Amen. So let's uh, declare our confidence, and I'm—we uh, won't use the set prayer there, but I'm going to try to remember the words, <laughs> the questions, and I'm. And you're going to say, we believe and trust in him when I ask you three questions. So um, we're going to pray afterwards. So just to remain seated, let's just say these prayerfully. Do you believe in God the Father who created heaven and earth and created each one of us in his image? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe in God, Jesus, God, the Son? who came to this earth, who lived amongst us, made his dwelling with us, was crucified, died, buried, but rose again and lives always to be our advocate. We believe and trust in him. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God, who is at work even in us? We believe and trust in him. We believe and trust in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is our faith. Amen.